Welcome back to the most important stop of the day. This is the Money Stop, and alongside Cole Cusimano, my name is Steven. And right off the bat, I gotta apologize because we we mentioned there'd probably be two shows this week and every week going forward. But obviously, with both of us getting back into town, Cole, you coming from Vegas, things scheduling wise didn't exactly work out that way. But from here on out, going forward, I can assure you that we will have two episodes every week. One recapping the past weekend's race, which next week would be Talladega early next week, and then there will be another previewing the upcoming weekend's race. Wanted to get that out in the open, but first, Cole, Vegas. Uh, it was another dominant day for Denny Hamlin, and one where it didn't seem like it would play out that way really from the beginning. We saw Kyle Larson leading a ton of laps. We saw Hendrick Motorsports really just dominating those top five positions, a lot like we saw in the spring, but then a poor pitch strategy got them mired in the back, Chase Elliott almost able to come back and made it pretty close there at the end, but in the end, it was Denny Hamlin who won the opening race in the round of 12 the same way he did in the round of 16. So overall thoughts, I mean, it, there's a lot to take away from this, and I think it continues to evolve the narrative that maybe Joe Gibbs Racing and Denny Hamlin, therefore, is the favorite for the championship at this point. I'd have to agree. Uh, like, people got caught up in the stat that he didn't get a win the entire regular season, and to say he wasn't performing, it's not the case. He is honestly having a career season, wins aside, top 10s, top 5s, average finish, laps led, stages. Like, he's doing remarkable this season. And I think what we're seeing now is, I, I actually asked Denny at the track, like, what was the balance like between being a new team owner and contending for the playoffs? And in short, he basically said that all the 2311 stuff got worked out early to the middle part of the year, and now it's pretty much all playoffs uh, ahead looking forward, and that's clearly the case. He, he's performing at, at an incredible rate right now, and to think that he was even performing while doing all the 2311 stuff in the beginning of the year is, is pretty astounding to, to think about, but I think that they're definitely the favorites as is right now, just because, you know, Kyle Larson has looked really good, obviously, these opening four races. He was a contender for the win at Darlington, obviously won Bristol. And then at Richmond, he looked pretty good. He was a top 10 car, maybe towards the back back of the top 10. But as far as Vegas goes, they looked like the car to beat right out the gates. And I guess that was the biggest concern for me watching as a, as a spectator and in the media center, because I think we all know as fans that this track, once it transitions tonight, it's a completely different ball game. And that team didn't execute and, and fine-tune their car to be a contender in the later stages of the race, as where Joe Gibbs Racing and Denny Hamlin did. But, I will say, though, that whole Hendrick stable, in addition to Ryan Blaney, got put on a really, really bad pit cycle, which kind of threw myself and everybody off because, you know, this is historically a, a, a green flag racing track. And even in this race, I think there was one caution aside from the stage breaks so I don't, I don't know why those HMS crew chiefs and Todd Gordon would, would try and stay out and, and hope for a caution because it just wasn't going to come. And I think we all knew that. So in the end, it was Joe Gibbs Racing that prevailed, Denny Hamlin, and this has often been the case the last five plus years. They, they always have a great pit crew, uh, great crew chiefs, just great teams top to bottom. And that was evident leaving Vegas once again. Yeah, I mean, if the, the strategy was definitely puzzling, and, and you could probably take a big swing like that, something that's not necessarily favored to happen, if you're mired deeper in the pack, but, you know, they were leading laps, and they were dominating the beginning of this race, so it was a move that, like you said, 
really didn't make the most sense. And, you know, when I think about, I just mentioned maybe Joe Gibbs Racing is the favorite for the championship now and Denny Hamlin. You know, these Hendrick cars still ran well. Like William Byron, prior to that tire going down and he just wasn't able to catch a break, he had arguably the fastest car on the track. If not the fastest, then definitely top three. We saw what Chase Elliott almost did. And then Kyle Larson, of course, did lead a lot of laps early. And like you said, did not necessarily adjust that car with the track. And he was just stuck too far back in the pack after that strategy ended up playing out. So, I mean, when I think about it, I'm I'm not necessarily concerned about Hendrick Motorsports in terms of the speed because it was there for the most part. I mean, they, they all showed glimpses that they could have gone out and won this race. I mean, there was a point in time where, at least for those three guys I just named, excluding Alex Bowman, where I thought there was a chance they could win the race. So the speed's there. I just think that they need to do a better job executing, which early on in the playoffs, you can, I guess, exclude Bristol from that because that was a great race for Hendrick Motorsports, all things considered. I think that they just need to do a little bit better job executing. But when it comes to putting full races together, like you said, I mean, the 11 team has been the best hands down at doing it pretty much all season, maybe outside uh, the five team. But let me ask you that, Cole. Are you concerned at all about Hendrick Motorsports and where they stand right now with two drivers below the cut line entering Talladega? Not at all. Every single race in the playoffs, it's been either a Hendrick car or a Gibbs car contending for the win. And I think it's just pretty much transitioned from, okay, Hendrick's the favorite going into this race to now, okay, Hendrick and Gibbs are the favorites going into this race. And I think looking at the, the remainder of the schedule, every track caters to a Gibbs or Hendrick car. Uh, and, and yeah, the speed's obviously been there. I have to definitely agree. I think that William Byron probably had the best car aside from Denny Hamlin. From start to finish, like, obviously you can make the case for Kyle Larson having the best car in the beginning of the race, but consistently throughout the entire day and night, William Byron and Denny Hamlin were the best at executing that by far. I do want to talk on, on William Byron for a second because I think that team has shown a lot of progression throughout the entire season, and it's kind of like a similar trajectory to Chase Elliott. Not quite as successful, but in a sense that that nine team... They had a lot of uh, really strong runs in the playoffs and later in the season, and they get caught up in some bad circumstances or some, some bad situations where they have to try and dig their way out of a hole. And I think that we saw that William Byron and the 24 team and Rudy Fugel were able to execute that, leaving Bristol, which was a huge, huge step for them to finish inside the top three in advance. And now you're seeing another situation where they, they're kind of down and out, uh, but they have the speed. And it's they're only I think they're two points out going into Talladega. It's it's not a bad gap at all, but it is Talladega. But it's 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 going to be a learning curve for him, for Ryan Blaney, for all those younger guys, uh, hoping to be championship contenders later in their careers. And I just think this is going to be a good stepping stone for that 24 team. Well, let me say something about William Byron real quick because I picked him to be in my championship four, and the reason I did that is strictly because I love the way that the round of eight lines up for him. You've got Kansas and Texas, which we all know that William Byron, that 24 team, have had excellent speed at the mile-and-a-half tracks this year, and then Martinsville, another track that he's fairly successful at. So for me, the main cause for concern with him was, could he make it out of the round of 12? And the I think that the path for him making it out of this round was having a strong run at Vegas, and maybe he got just enough stage points in stage one to where... Like you said, he's only, what, two, three, four points out 
going into Talladega, but it's just such a big question mark. You go into Talladega, and you mention the poor fortune. He's just not been able to catch a break the past couple weeks, the past couple months, and Talladega is not the place you want to go if you're, you've been having bad luck. But I think a good race or a good finish at Talladega, and maybe by some chance, you know, a change in fortune could completely flip the record, especially if some other playoff teams do have a bad luck and a bad race at Talladega. So I, I think that it's going to be definitely a process to, to get to that round of eight. But I just, I really like, like you said, the progression. You can see this team growing. You can see that driver, William Byron, growing. And I think the comparison to Chase Elliott is a very good example. The trajectory is not as sharp. It's not as exponential, but that, that's just an example of what can happen if this team is able to right the ship, uh, we've seen the consistency all year. And I really think that if they can make it out of this round of 12, it's going to be the biggest jump we've seen in William Byron's career to date. And he's going to make it to the championship four. And that may be an overreaction. But again, that's something I was saying going into the playoffs and seeing the speed that that team had at Vegas this past week is all the evidence I needed to see that that they would have strong runs at Kansas and Texas. So We'll see what happens. We're going to head to Talladega. And before we get there, let's talk about a couple drivers that are stacking pennies. As we get into the later rounds of the playoffs, we're four races in now, six to go in the season. And as I look through the top 10 from last weekend's race at Vegas, Cole, there's a name that continues to stick out in every single one of these playoff races, and that's Brad Keselowski. I think you can argue that outside of maybe the first two or three races this year, he is having his best stretch of the season coming in these first four races of the playoffs. He finished seventh, which is nothing to write home about, but for the way that that team was so off the pace coming into the playoffs, I think that's definitely a, a victory for that team, especially considering right now if the playoffs were to have a cutoff, he would be in the round of eight, and they go to one of his best tracks at Talladega. Right, and I, I do agree. I think that he's, aside from Hamlin and Larson, he's had the, the cleanest playoffs by far. And that's what this team needed, probably to get back on track. They didn't really have the speed all year. I even spoke with, the, with all the Penske guys after the race, and they basically said they don't think they had the speed to really compete or contend with those uh, Hendrick and Gibbs guys. But, you know, we, we've seen it this year with Ryan Blaney. They can capitalize on certain situations. It's all about maximizing opportunities. And it's not to say they haven't been fast. They've definitely shown glimmers of prominent speed. But it's just a matter of executing on pit road and really capitalizing towards the end. And I think that heading to Talladega, it's really anyone's game. It is Talladega, but that's just a Penske playground. You, you look at those guys, Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, they've all won there. They're all very good there, and they've all seen a lot of success there in recent years. So um, I think for Brad Keselowski, this is a great, great path for him to get to the round of eight. And let's talk about Talladega now, because we've, we've gone through Vegas. We've kind of gone through a lot of the takeaways from that race, which again, it was pretty uneventful outside of the, the takeaways really. And the point standings, there wasn't really a ton to talk about. We've pretty much covered it all. Do want to stop on the Xfinity and truck series though, because we had two surprise winners in both of those races with Christian Eckes winning in the truck series and Josh Berry winning in the Xfinity series. Both those races were phenomenal. I thought they were miles ahead of what the cup series race was, but uh, yeah, the, the uh, truck series, back-to-back first-time winners in Chandler Smith and Christian Eckes. You just love to see the progression of these young drivers. And Christian Eckes is a guy that I had pegged as one of those young guys that was going to be a contender for years to come. 
in the developmental series, whether it was Trucks or Xfinity. So to see him kind of maximize his opportunities and get this win was massive for that team. I guarantee you he'll have more opportunities next year, hopefully a full-time ride. But that was a really, really fun race. Kind of a scary race, too, once again for the playoff drivers because we saw, I think I counted it, it was half the playoff drivers, so they all wrecked in this race. You had problems for uh, Carson Hosever as well, who had a top 10 day going, one of the only trucks that did, that did not wreck. Uh, mired in controversy after he NASCAR deemed that he brought out a caution on purpose for spinning on the uh, entrance of pit road. So that just a lot of storylines from that race, a lot of uh, calamity for playoff drivers once again, which was weird just because the opening uh, race at Gateway for the round of 10 was very similar. Um, so you wonder if that's going to kind of be a trend going forward. And then, yeah, the Xfinity race, another really, really good race. And what can you not say or love about Josh Berry? He's now a two-time winner in the Xfinity series on a, on a part-time basis with two different teams nonetheless. He's won with the eight team and now with Michael Lynette's uh, one team. And I think that speaks volumes to him as a driver. And let me tell you, man, just seeing him win, the, the raw emotion felt by him, that one team, and honestly, the, the entire sport, all, every team up and down pit road was, was kind of surreal just because you could tell Josh Berry is like a racer to the core. That's what you want to see in this sport. I, I'd like to see more of it going forward. I, I just I, I can't say enough good things about Josh Berry. Right. He has been so impressive. And we've talked about this earlier in the year. At the start of the season, who really knew who Josh Berry was out of casual NASCAR fans? Not really anybody. And it's crazy to think that he is a two-time winner in the Xfinity Series in his rookie year at two different kinds of tracks. And who knows what the future holds for him. He's full-time next year in the eight car headed back to Junior Motorsports. So a very exciting future ahead for Josh Berry. But let's close the book on Vegas by recapping the top 10. Denny Hamlin, of course, won, followed by Chase Elliott. Back-to-back -back Gibbs drivers very quietly finished third and fourth. Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Ryan Blaney pieced together a top five. Tyler Reddick, a solid sixth place finish. And we mentioned Brad Keselowski seventh. Kurt Busch eighth. Kevin Harvick ninth. And Kyle Larson, after winning stage one, rounded out the top 10. So let's talk about Talladega now, beginning with the paint schemes that we are going to see. Nickel or dime, we're going to talk about fives or tens, how we're rating these paint schemes that we're looking at on the graphic that is on our social media at the underscore money stop. So you can follow along as we're talking about these. And Cole, I'm not really crazy about this, this slew of paint schemes this week. There's a couple that really stick out to me. And that includes the number four of Kevin Harvick, which gets a dime from me. Yeah, there's a few diamonds in the rough. I don't think it's bad, but we've seen a lot better ones in recent weeks. I love the number nine adrenaline shot car of Chase Elliott. This car was run at Atlanta earlier this year. I just think it looks really badass. It has the uh, the black nose, the red rear, and there's a couple of lines on the side of by the front of the nine. Um, that's a really cool looking car. I love the four as well. It has the uh, gray camo on the top half of the car, and the bottom half is like an orange with a white um, outline. Really, really nice. I'm not really a big fan of the Bush beer can uh, at the back of the four on the car. But other than that, really, really clean-looking car, very simple. And speaking on simple, I do like the uh, number 21 of Matt Benedetto, which I believe was also run at Talladega earlier this year. Very simple. It's basically the Wood Brothers classic car, but different colors. So the top part of the car is blue. The trim is an orange. Blue and orange, you know, makes us very happy. Really, really cool-looking car. 
And then I'll give one more dime out to the 37 of Ryan Priest and the Velveeta cheese car. Just for the creativity aspect. Um, so it's the more recent design that, that um, JTG's been going with in, in recent races. Um, and there's like cheese uh, dripping on the side of the car. Just think it's a creative car. Colors also go very well too. They're all primary colors. Uh, blue, yellow, and red. So that gets a dime for me as well. Yeah, I really, again, I don't have too much to say on these paint schemes. I agree with you about the 9 and the 4, as well as the 21. I couldn't remember if that was raced earlier this year or not, but I love that blue and orange look on the quick lane car for Matt Benedetto. Anyway, uh, let us know what your nickels and dimes are, your 5s and 10s out of these paint schemes at the underscore money stop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out the graphic. And now let's talk about what's going to happen on the track. Starting lineup for the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega, Looks like this, and we've got playoff drivers again starting in the top 12. So here is how they'll line up. Denny Hamlin, last week's winner, starts on the pole, followed by Kyle Busch. Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney will roll off in the second row, followed by Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr. Penske teammates, 7th and 8th, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, followed by Kevin Harvick and William Byron. And then the two drivers that are lowest in the playoff points right now, Alex Bowman and Christopher Bell, will roll off 11th and 12th. So with that, Cole, it is time to take it to the bank. And this is one of the most fun, but also one of the most, and I'm not going to say one of the, this is the most volatile race uh, that you could possibly bet on. It is the most rewarding, but it is by far and away also the most risky. So it's almost not even worth making predictions because you just can't predict Talladega. It is the most unpredictable track on, on the circuit and one of the most unpredictable events in all of sports, I would argue. But if you want to get into the odds, here's what they look like per BetMGM. Denny Hamlin is the odds-on favorite, as he probably should be, at 8-1 to one odds, followed by Joey Logano at 9-1, to one, and then tied with the third-best odds are Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney at 10-1 to one odds. And then the active winningest driver at Talladega, Brad Keselowski, is at 12-1 to one odds, which ranks fifth out of drivers in this race. So, Cole, with that, what are we looking for heading into Talladega? All right, so earlier this year, Brad Keselowski scored his sixth career win at Talladega, which tied Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon for second on the all-time wins list. Denny Hamlin also looked very strong as usual at Talladega. He led the most laps. Matt Benedetto, I would argue, had probably the best car outside of Denny Hamlin um, in the closing stages of this race. Also scored a top five. And William Byron also had a really, really strong day, finished second. So I think those are going to be a lot of the same players. Bubba Wallace also had a pretty good run before uh, Joey Logano went airborne on, on the top of his hood, which, by the way, Logano had a very, very sporty car at the beginning of this race, too, before he wrecked stage, in Stage 1. But um, I think we'll see a lot of the same players. As far as trends go, in the last 10 races, the only repeat winners have been from the Penske Stable, who each have two wins at this track. So six of 10 races at Talladega have been won by the Penske Stable, which is... Pretty insane to think about, considering how unpredictable Talladega is. Um, and then going back to 2020, only three drivers have two top fives at Talladega in three races. Denny Hamlin, William Byron, and Eric Jones. Hamlin won there last fall in this exact race. Harvick, Blaney, and Reddick also have two top tens at this track in that span, in addition to Hamlin, Byron, and Eric Jones. And over the same span, going back to 2020, Joey Logano has led the most laps with 88. Denny Hamlin, not far behind at all with 87. And then Ryan Blaney with 84. So after that, there is a significant drop-off to fourth, which is Chase Elliott, 
with 47, but Cole, that, that's definitely a lot to unpack there. So let's get into our tiers per what we usually do and just look at drivers that are the best bets to win and so on down the list. So obviously it does start with Brad Keselowski. You mentioned tying Dale Jr. and Jeff Gordon for second on the all-time wins list at Talladega. And this is something that we mentioned about five weeks ago at Daytona. Another major boost that he is going to be getting at these super speedway tracks is one of the best super speedway spotters that we've seen at these tracks in recent history, and that is TJ Majors. All those wins with Dale Jr. Cole, and it kind of seems like he's almost been adapting to a similar uh, driving style at these tracks to what we saw uh, later in Dale's career when he had TJ Majors as his spotter, ironically enough. Right. It's just like a more methodical speedway racing. Like, he's not up there leading laps the entire race. It's much more methodical. You can see him picking his way through the field in only a way that a guy like a Brad Keselowski or a Dale Jr. could. Like, the moves he makes are ridiculous, and, and you'll see them on Sunday. But um, I, I would just say this about Talladega. There's very few things certain going in, but I think you can feel comfortable picking Brad Keselowski. And the funny thing is, I even asked him at Vegas, like, there's a lot of uncertainty in this round of 12 between Talladega and the Roval but are you comfortable going into Talladega? And, and he basically said yes. Like, he's looking forward to Talladega, which is something you don't hear very often at all. And I, I was also asking if, if it added any more comfortability that TJ Majors was now with him on the spotter stand, and he said, yeah, it's just another strength for us, and I, I think this is going to be another really big day for the two crew. Uh, they're, my only thing is they're starting sixth and valued at 8,600, which on a regular fantasy week would be a excellent excellent value but I think you have to kind of tread lightly with the guy starting inside the top 10 maybe even top 15 just because Talladega is such a unpredictable track but again I, I think if one thing is certain it's that Brad Kozlowski is going to be doing great at Talladega this Sunday I think one of the most nerve-wracking things about this race is you know we saw this in the playoffs last year how close the points are and you have all those playoff drivers starting in the top 12, and they're all going to want stage points because you are not guaranteed a good finish in this race uh, at the end of this 500 miles when it's all said and done, but you can try and win as many stage points as you want. So that's going to be something that's very interesting to watch. Like a guy like Brad Kozlowski, who is starting sixth, does he try to move up there, lead laps and, and get the stage win and pick up some potential bonus points for that next round? I think all 12 of these drivers have the exact same mindset from that point of view, except for Denny Hamlin, because he is the only driver that is locked into the round of eight as of right now. He is racing with house money at this point. He's the hottest driver in the sport, and we mentioned the odds-on favorite to win this race, and we've seen it in the past few years. I would say if you're looking at a sample size going back to maybe 2018, around that range, three, four years, Denny Hamlin is the best super speedway racer in the sport. We saw him win this very race in the fall a year ago, he had three straight top fives until this past spring at Talladega, where he ended up leading the most laps and just did not end up finishing where he deserved to. And we've seen, obviously, the back-to-back -back Daytona 500 wins. I mean, what more is there to say about Denny Hamlin? I think that those two guys are as sure of bets to finish high up there as you're going to get. But obviously, again, it's it's un it's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen at Talladega. And there is some risk that comes with picking Denny Hamlin, at least for DFS purposes, because he is valued at 10500 which is the second most expensive driver. And I feel like you want to probably make the most of your budget at this track if you're going to 
be bold enough to bet DFS for Talladega, which we will share our lineup later on. But I mean, those are really the two sure bets, or at least as sure as you can get at Talladega. But then we get into that next tier of drivers, Cole, that definitely has a very good shot at winning this race and putting some great points on the board for you and possibly making you some money and, and guys that really bring a little bit more value, I would say. Right. And we're going to start it off with the two Penske drivers, Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. So first off with Joey Logano, very underrated plate racer. I think he doesn't get enough credit to, for what he's done in his career at these tracks. He was with TJ Majors for about four years once Dale Jr. retired. So he's definitely learned a couple things along the way uh, with him in his ear at these tracks. Most laps led going back to 2020. Looked very strong. Probably one of the best cars earlier in the race, uh, as mentioned at Talladega before wrecking at the end of stage one. Um, and then three total wins at this track is second only to Brad Keselowski, his teammate. Valued at 7,900 and starting eighth, I think that he might be even a, a better pick than a Denny Hamlin or a Brad Keselowski just because, you know, he is starting deeper in the pack, albeit two spots in reference to Brad Keselowski. But still, it's it's further back nonetheless in terms of uh, place differential. And I, I think he's a great plate racer. And then Ryan Blaney, we all know how he's fared at this track specifically. He has wins the last two years at Talladega. Both those wins coming at, I believe it was seven thousandths of a second. So one of the most opportunistic drivers. This is one of the most opportunistic tracks. And he's great at Daytona and Talladega. Finished ninth here in the spring. And he also won at Daytona this past July. So valued at $10,700 starting fourth. I think that any of those Penske guys are going to be good plays. I would say also in this tier, you have the Hendrick Motorsports drivers who always have speed at Daytona and Talladega. And that's evident by any time there's qualifying, you always see two Hendrick Chevrolets on the front row. And there is no qualifying this week, but that's just a testament to the speed that they bring to these tracks. And that includes a guy such as William Byron. You mentioned earlier in this show that he finished runner-up at Talladega in the spring. And he also does have the best average finish at this track, dating back to the start of 2020 at 5.7. And after what happened at Vegas with the poor fortune there, he's in desperate need of a good day. Had the win at Daytona around this time last year that won him his way into the playoffs. And he is at a, a pretty solid value. Again, starts 10th, valued at 9,800 in DFS. So William Byron, a guy that may be a little bit more risky, but you look at the recent history and maybe that suggests that it's not very much of a risk. Then you look at a guy like Chase Elliott, though. He is the only Hendrick Motorsports driver currently with a win at Talladega, and that came in the spring of 2019. And if you're looking for somebody that's just going to be solid, look no further than Chase Elliott, because he has only finished outside the lead lap in four out of his 11 starts at Talladega, and he has five top tens in 11 starts, which at Talladega is extremely impressive. He rolls off third, and he's valued at 8,800. So Chase Elliott, a guy that is a high floor, but also a very high ceiling that I think is going to be a strong pick, whether it's you're placing a bet or if he's in your DFS lineup. Uh, and yeah, I think that Chase Elliott's a bit of a risk just starting third, but I do think that he's going to definitely be a contender to lead a lot of laps and maybe even win some stages. William Byron, though, I, I think I'd have to say that he might be the best pick of the drivers mentioned to this point. Just being valued at 9,800 starting 10th, I think that's a really, really good value. And one thing I do want to say is that if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, I want, I want to include a bunch of these drivers in my lineup, the beauty of Talladega is that we'll get, it, as you'll see in, in the sleeper segment, that you can really put whatever lineup you want out there and it, it'll be affordable because there's just so many ways this race can play out. 
all the values are really, really good. So I guess let's roll on here with, with, and finish out this good bracket uh, with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., one of the most aggressive and best super speedway racers probably in the field. Very volatile in this sense, just because you know he will be up front, he will be left, but he will cause a wreck or wrecks plural, and that's just a given, as we even saw at uh, Daytona in July. So, Stenhouse is always going to be a good pick at these tracks, but just kind of tread lightly, given his uh, his nature of racing at Talladega and Daytona. Um, he has the one, one, one win here, 9 top 10s and 16 starts, which is very impressive, and he finished runner-up in the spring of 2020. Valued at 6,000 starting 21st. Uh, I think he is a really good pick as well. And then we'll go with Michael McDowell. Always been a great plate racer. Won the Daytona 500 earlier this year. And he finished third in Talladega in the spring. Valued at 6,100 starting 22nd. And going along with those two guys, two more that are starting right around that same area of the field. And that includes Bubba Wallace, who actually won a stage at Talladega in this past spring. And he's always been great at these tracks. He has yet to record a top 10 at Talladega. However, he has finished second at Daytona twice, including just a few weeks ago at the Daytona race in August. Then you've got Matt Benedetto, who also won a stage at Talladega earlier this year. And you said it earlier in the show, Cole. He had probably the best car once Denny Hamlin was taken out. Showed great speed, but just didn't make the right decision on what was the final lap. But he's always been a good plate racer, and he's been very vocal on social media the past few weeks about not having a ride in 2022. So he is in desperate need of a win, and I would say, Cole, looking at the last six races of the season, this is probably his best shot at a win in the 2021 season. He rolls off 15th, and in DFS, he's valued at 6300 which is a very solid bargain. Awesome, and let's close out this Take It to the Bank segment with some sleepers. This is where you can really get your money's worth because there's quite a few guys in this field that have a great shot at making some waves in the Yellowwood 500. And we'll start off with Justin Haley. Excellent, excellent Super Speedway racer. He won at Daytona in the Cup Series in 2019. Also driving for Colleague Racing this week, which is something to note. And that team actually has a Cup win this season at the Indianapolis Road Course with A.J. Allmendinger. So they definitely have, have the equipment to get it done. He has four wins in the Xfinity Series, all coming at Daytona and Talladega with two each. And he hasn't finished below 8th in four starts at Talladega in the Xfinity Series. So, valued at 9,400 starting 38th, that's, I think, the the value of all value picks, in my opinion. And then, switching over to the guy who he's who's driving for Haley at Spire Motorsports, it's going to be Justin Allgaier. So, there have been four top 10s recorded in 2021 for Spire, and three or four of those came at Daytona. So they've had very fast cars at these types of tracks. They also have the win in 2019 at Daytona with Haley, as mentioned. But looking at his Xfinity career, he's also run very well at these types of tracks. He has yet to win a NASCAR-sanctioned race at Daytona or Talladega, so that's something to maybe keep note of. But valued at 9,000 and starting 33rd, I think there's a good chance that he has a uh, top 15, top 10 day. And who knows? I mean, we saw Justin Haley win his first NASCAR race at Daytona a couple of years ago in what was a rain-shortened event, but that was his first NASCAR win, and there's no telling what Justin Allgaier can do, again, in equipment that has been fast at these tracks uh, throughout this past year, and it's Justin Allgaier. He is a veteran in the sport, and I have a lot of confidence in his ability, but you look at the end of this tier of drivers, Eric Jones, two top fives in the last three races at Talladega, which is extremely impressive, and then, of course, has a win on his resume at Daytona. He starts 26, then is valued at 6,500, so another good value, I would say. And then you've got Corey LaJoy. He looked really, really strong 
at Daytona in the regular season finale just a few weeks ago. Got a top 10 there in the fall of 2019, and he was in contention down to the very end of this race a year ago, Talladega Fall 2020. He starts 29th, and he's valued at 6,900, and he's having a career season. So Corey LaJoy is riding high, and there have been points in the year where this next driver has been riding high as well, and that's Chris Busher. He originally finished runner-up at that aforementioned Daytona race, the regular season finale, before he was disqualified. So he came crashing down after that, but... He did finish top 10 at Talladega earlier this year and is similar to Stenhouse in the fact that he is a little bit volatile, not as successful at, at this track in certain regards, but he definitely is a guy that can go out there and put a top 10 on the board. Valued at 7,400, he will roll off 24th. So those are the names to look for as far as if you're placing a bet on a specific driver to win this race, but let's get into our DFS lineup recommendation and Honestly, it's Talladega. You can probably take this worth a grain of salt. You could probably randomly pick six drivers and have a pretty good shot, or at least a decent shot, of winning some money on DraftKings or, or DFS, wherever you might play. Uh, but this is the, the lineup that we are going to recommend. It is loaded with Penske drivers, and rightfully so. We talked about that earlier in the show, how we love the way that these guys uh, perform at these tracks. They have a proven track history of consistent, solid finishes and wins here. They're the only two-time winners in the last 10 races at Talladega, and so for good reason, the most expensive driver in our lineup is the most expensive driver listed on DraftKings, and that's Ryan Blaney, valued at 10700 It's a little bit of a risk, don't get me wrong, I mean, that's that can be said about any driver starting near the front of the pack, but if you're going to pick one, Ryan Blaney, again, he's got to win at Talladega each of the last two years. He's been so consistent. Penske just knows how to get it done, and so for that reason, we also have two other Penske drivers in this lineup, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano valued at 8600 and 7900 respectively, and they both start in the top 10, so I just, I love the idea of stacking the Penske drivers in your lineup, and, and there is a little bit cause for concern there, because there's always the possibility that, you know, one of these drivers could get caught up in something. Like, what are the odds that all three Penske drivers are going to finish in the top 10? I would say for any team, it's not very high, but for Penske, it's higher than any other team in the sport. So I love including Blaney, Kozlowski, and Logano in your lineup. And then we're going to close it out with uh, Chase Elliott here, valued at 8800 I will say having four guys starting inside the top 10 is definitely a bit of a risk, but the logic here was that all four of these guys, I think we have a lot of confidence in that they're going to be up front the entire race, leading a lot of laps and potentially winning stages. Going to round it out with Chris Buescher, valued at 7400 and then Bubba Wallace at 5900 Again, two drivers who have pretty good plate racing resumes. I'd say Bubba Wallace is almost due, in a way, for a win at one of these tracks. I think this would be a big win for him. Also a home track in Alabama, so you never know what could happen there. And then, yeah, we mentioned Chris Buescher. Uh, I think that he has potential to have a top 10, top 15 day. It's just a matter of if he'll get caught up in a wreck, which is, you know, a case with any driver in the field. But like Stenhouse, he's a very uh, aggressive driver. We saw this at, at Daytona in August. So uh, maybe tried a bit lightly with Busher, but I, I have a good feeling about him this week. And that's, I guess you could say, our heavy hitters lineup. Like you said, it's a little bit risky picking four drivers that start in the top 10 at Talladega. So... We're going to give you a little bonus lineup here, one with drivers that start a little bit deeper in the pack, and they're all names that we've just kind of mentioned. So 
this alternate lineup, which I might even like better than our primary lineup that we just mentioned, because it does contain drivers that are going to get you more place differential points, as well as some that have a lot to lose and a lot to gain. So they're going to go out there and try to lead laps, get you fastest lap times. And, and again, a lot of place differential points. But here's what this lineup looks like. William Byron is the most expensive driver at 9,800, followed by Justin Haley at 9,400. Justin Allgaier at 9,000, and then you've got Brad Keselowski at 8,600. He starts the highest up out of any driver in this lineup, which contains only two drivers that start inside of the top 10. And then you've got Eric Jones at 6,500 and Matt Benedetto at 6,300. So that's a lineup with, again, drivers who need to have good runs. Matt Benedetto, he's racing for a job next year. He needs to have a good run. William Byron is below the cut line right now. He needs to put together stage points needs to lead laps, he needs to have a good race, and then Brad Keselowski, he knows that this is his best track remaining in the playoffs, I think you could probably say, and then three guys that don't have a lot to lose, Justin Allgaier, Justin Haley, and Eric Jones, they can go out there and basically play with house money and try to win this race, so I like this lineup quite a bit, Cole, but uh, enough of that, let's get into our race picks, and I went first a week ago picking Kyle Larson, who looked like a good pick early on, but obviously didn't end up panning out. So without further ado, Cole, you will pick first this week at Talladega. I feel really, really good about William Byron. So he's going to be my winner for this week. You mentioned it. He has a lot to lose. He needs to go out there. He needs to lead laps, win stages, maximize those points, uh, being outside the cutoff right now. And I think that they've always shown speed at these tracks. They finished runner up in the spring. And this will be a really big race for the 2014. I think they're going to punch their ticket into the round of eight in a really big way. And for my sleeper, I'm going to go with Eric Jones. Uh, I, I feel like those stats can't be ignored over the last three races going back to 2020. And to be honest, as a whole, that 43 team has really been turning it on in these final few races. They've had speed at tracks like Bristol and Darlington and even Vegas. They had a little bit of speed there at the beginning. They were they were running inside the top 10. So I think that that team has kind of hit their groove to, to close out this 2021 season and they could be a really good sleeper pick. You know, I said all week that to myself that I was going to pick Denny Hamlin to win this race, uh, regardless if, if he won a week ago or not. And I think I'm going to deviate from that right now, even though, you know, he is, again, he's racing with house money. I mean, he has nothing to lose at all. He can go out there and just go all out for the win. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with his teammate that starts on the front row and I'll pick Kyle Busch to win this race. I think that he is kind of due for a win at one of these super speedways. I would argue he's kind of an underrated super speedway racer and one of the most unlucky guys at these tracks. And again, I just think that he's due. He starts up front. I think he's going to try and stay there the entire race and stay out of trouble. And, and that's really important for Talladega. So I think that Kyle Busch starts up front, finishes up front, and then for my sleeper, obviously a billion different ways you can go with this, but I think I'm going to go with Matt Benedetto. I think you mentioned how hungry he is, how desperate he is for a win. Uh, and it just, you know, he races well at these tracks and I cannot overlook how fast he was at this very race in the spring at Talladega. And I think that that team has probably had this date circled on its calendar for the entire season after that race in saying that they had a really good setup and a really good car at that race back in the spring, and they were in contention for the win. Again, obviously just made the wrong move on that last lap. I think he's hungry to win in general, but even more hungry to get that win back at this track. So I'll pick Matt Benedetto to be my sleeper, along with Kyle Busch, to win. So that's it for Talladega, the Yellowwood 500, which will take place this upcoming Sunday. 
Definitely want to tune in for that. And please also tune into our social media at the underscore money stop as we're always posting awesome graphics that basically illustrate everything we've talked about on this podcast. You can look at our DFS lineup recommendations, our winner picks, and maybe even the most importantly, the paint schemes that we're going to see on the track this week, as well as all kinds of other cool infographics that tie everything together. So definitely follow us on there and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. This is the Money Stop. It's the most important stop of the day. And we thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week with, again, two episodes, one early in the week, one later in the week. So for Cole, I'm Steven, and we'll see you then.